our second reading is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, in our first reading today, uh, from St Paul's letter to the church in Rome, we hear about Paul telling this congregation that they should stop judging each other. And in our second reading, uh, we have Jesus teaching his disciples that they should forgive each other. Really good lessons. Uh, that the first of the first hearers of this message really needed to learn. And of course, these messages are not at all relevant today. Because in our modern enlightened society, uh, we forgive easily and don't judge each other, do we? Hold on, I read that wrong. Um, oh yes, uh, in our modern enlightened society, we judge easily and we don't forgive each other Easily. Sorry, my bad. Um, but I'd like to say that being a minister, you know, all that training and, and the ordination and everything else, I'd have all these things sorted. I, you know, I, I don't judge anybody. 
at all. Uh, and I forgive really easily. But uh, if I said that, I'd really, I would be lying. Because, uh, in fact, when I was preparing to lead worship this week, uh, and I was reflecting on these readings, I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable, actually. And unfortunately, uh, in our society, our church has become known for judging others. Uh, you know, this is what we're known for. And Paul tells us not to do this. And Jesus tells us to forgive each other. Uh, and our church in, uh, I was uh, in this modern um, uh, take on life, uh, this modern uh, prophet uh, who's known as Matt Groening and just the Simpsons. Um, there was a, there's a great ep- a bit in one of the episodes uh, where, uh, I've forgotten the name, um, Marge goes around to uh, next door uh, to the Christian house and says, uh, look, looking for uh, Ned Flanders' wife. And he says, I'm sorry she's not here. She's way on a camp learning how to be more judgmental. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought, I thought to myself when I heard that, I thought, this is, this is the way the world thinks about us. Uh, we are just judged. We're judges all the time. But anyway, this, uh, this passage in Paul's letter follows on from uh, readings we've had over the last few weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Romans 12, uh, and Paul was speaking about loving each other, and that, w- that this love must be serving, and it must be genuine. Romans 13 uh, teaches us that we love is universal. It is for everyone. And, and it's the only debt we should actually owe each other, is love for one another. And here in Romans 14, he's basically warns us about religious legalism, uh, saying that we should not judge one another, and that we are all on our own journey. And even though we differ from one another, that we should celebrate this diversity and not condemn each other for it. Now, Paul is, is teaching the church in Rome, very specific things that may not be quite relevant to this church uh, today, really. But he's, he's talking to them about religious differences between what, those who have been brought up Jewish and those who are Gentiles. Uh, for instance, the, the Jewish people were struggling to accept the eating of meat that wasn't kosher. So they'd basically become vegetarians. And, and those that had absolutely no problem with that because they'd always been eating bacon. Uh, also, I, I think I need to stop judging vegetarians. But there we are. Um, sorry, Paul, wherever he is. Um, so there, there's been a story in the news throughout this week that's really helped me reflect on Paul's words for this week. And I'm not sure you've seen it or not, that, but there's been quite a lot of press coverage over it. And it's the story of how a Christian couple taking their children out of their local Church of England school because of another pupil's request to be accepted as transgender. And as you may realise, this story is quite close to my heart, but these parents, Sally and Nigel Rowe, have come at the subject from a very legalistic Christian view that boys are boys and girls are girls, and that's, that's the way it is and that's the way it always should be. And, and I can understand that point of view, even if I don't quite agree with it. But I think the way they have gone about it has not really been very helpful and very damaging, actually. 
probably to their own children and definitely to the child who's questioning their gender identity. And I think it's damaging the Christian church because people just see us as judging others and have no, uh, no love for people who are different. And as somebody who's wrestled with these questions for most of my life, I've come to a very different theological conclusion to that of the rose uh, because I've travelled a different journey. And as the old proverb goes, never judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Although I do prefer the proverb that says, never judge somebody until you've walked a mile in their shoes, because that way you'll have their shoes and you'll be a mile away. Uh, but anyway, I don't, in saying that, I don't condemn the Rose for their theological understanding, although I have to say that wasn't my initial reaction. Um, I, you know, I was judging them and I didn't want to forgive them for it. But I do think they have not really heeded these words from Paul. Paul it was quite clear in his thinking that religious legalism divides us as a church and that we should celebrate one another's diversity in all that it is. And our founder, Mr. Wesley, of course, has always got, I've always got a John Wesley quote in here somewhere. Uh, but yeah, he summed it up beautifully, I think. He said, though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we, not be a, we may not be of one opinion, but we can be of one heart. And without all doubt, we may. Herein all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences, uh, but of wise words. So, yes, judgment, but with judgment becomes division, so we need forgiveness, and which, of course, leads us to our second of today's readings. Uh, this parable from Matthew that, tell, that Jesus tells, is it, it does not... It's not like, it's not a nice, sweet story of comfort and hope, but it challenges us outrageously in a spot where we are most tender, the trouble we have with forgiveness. Jesus, Jesus tells this rather extreme parable in reaction to Peter's question on how long we should go on forgiving people. Uh, because that's what Jesus did in his parable. He told very extreme stories to make a point. So Peter asked Jesus, uh, should we give, forgive people seven times? And Jesus tells Peter, no, you should forgive people 77 times. Or in the King James Bible, it, it's, it's actually uh, translated as 70 times seven times. So that's 490 times. But again, Jesus is not offering a very legalistic theological viewpoint that we should only forgive people 77 times or 490 times. But that forgiveness should be limitless. Uh, and this parable he tells is, is sort of highlighting this difference between God's forgiveness and our own forgiveness. Jesus very pointedly gives this extreme view of forgiveness in the kingdom of heaven. A king's servant is called to settle his account that amounts to 10,000 talents. Uh, and this sum doesn't really mean that much to us because we don't know how much 10,000 talents was in that money. But in today's money, it would be about 45 billion pounds. So it's, it's a reasonable amount. 
So yeah, you know, um, the king, uh, sorry, this servant is so scared. I don't know how a servant had managed to accrue 45 billion pounds of the debt. But anyway, the servant, he was so scared that he and his family would be sold into slavery. He asked the king to be patient and that he'll pay it all back. Wow. Uh, a ridiculous notion, because on a servant's wage, it had taken him about 150,000 years to pay it back, which is, yeah, which is, again, just a ridiculous, ridiculous amount. Now, the king doesn't start an IBA and, and get the servant, to get the servant debt free. He doesn't get a nice payback policy. He shows mercy and he forgives his servant all the debt, everything. But this servant immediately leaves the king's court and he sees somebody who owes him a hundred denarii. Uh, and that's the sum that's about a hundred days wages. Uh, a measly amount of money compared to his own debt. Uh, but our man doesn't listen to the pleadings of his fellow servant and he has him thrown into prison for his debt. Now, understandably, everyone else is outraged by this and they tell the king about it, and, and, he, and he calls the servant back and has him tortured, uh, which I, I can sort of understand. Um, I thought it was quite, it escalated really quickly towards the end, I thought that, you know, you know really forgive, forgiving king and then suddenly torturing. But there we are. But and again, Jesus is speaking in extremes, as he does in many of his parables. But I think here Jesus is highlighting the difference between how we are as humans, and how we think about forgiveness versus the way God shows forgiveness. The first servant in the story sees forgiveness as a transaction. He sees forgiveness as justice rather than mercy. For example, on hearing of the release from his obligation to pay this money back, uh, the servant shows no appropriate response. There's no rejoicing, there was no gratitude, there's no celebrating with his wife and children who are spared imprisonment, there's no reflecting about the meaning of freedom or anything like that. We only hear that on the way out, he refuses the pleas of his colleagues. The first servant clearly hadn't discovered forgiveness. I think we already see something of the problem in his initial plea to the king. Though in depth beyond any conceivable capacity to pay, he nevertheless makes his case on a like quid pro quo basis. He says, I'll pay you everything. He imagines that dealing with the king is on a basis of justice. What he receives, but never grasps. I think that's what, he, what the point of the story is about the king. He never grasps the king's mercy. And forgiveness has something very different. It has to do with something very different from distributive justice. And Jesus wants us to know that. The first servant still thinks of indebtedness and forgiveness as a power game. And he's not actually come to view himself in the light of a, a truly gifted person, the uh, recipient of mercy rather than justice. And therefore, he's not able to see himself in the same situation as the second servant. And he's not able to show mercy because, as mercy has been shown to him, because he can't comprehend it. 
The final verse makes it uh, very clear that forgiveness is a matter of the heart, a transformation of the recipient, something the first servant had not discovered at all. And this is a problem I've, I've had with a, with a theological concept in the church. The church we call, this uh, concept we call substitution theory of atonement. And I really don't like this uh, at all. We are sometimes taught in church that God's mercy is like a transaction. We're so indebted to God for our sin that God demands a sacrifice and only the sacrifice of his son will do to get us out of this debt. But this is not the God we see in this parable. This isn't the God that Jesus paints the picture of. God's mercy is beyond anything we can imagine. It far outreaches our own understanding of forgiveness, being a transaction between two parties. God's mercy is so unbelievable that we find it difficult to grasp. I know I do. And therefore hard to show to others. This parable invites us, its readers, to view ourselves as forgiven debtors. No more, no less, living with and among fellow debtors. The difference between us as debtors is that the debt between us is only slight. But the debt between us and God is huge. But God forgives us. Jesus, I think, is inviting us uh, into thinking in the way that God thinks of us. In God's kingdom, God's mercy should transform us from people standing in judgment of each other to people who forgive as we have been forgiven. And we pray this every week in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sin. And sin and debt have the same root word in Greek. We are saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive the debts of others. So being forgiven means we have to give up this power game of playing innocent versus guilty and to join a community of forgiven sinners that we call the church. This is the gift of God. And it is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves and to each other to forgive and to know that we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.